GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. Addicted to substances, alcohol, gambling, that could be a very easy road to take. But what is more difficult is to break the cycle, to change the behaviours, to stop. Even more difficult still is to completely change your life around. Today we meet someone who did just that. So let's go and meet Lewis. Lewis, it's great to see you. We are here in this place that has become a second home to you. But it was a long and hard journey to get to this place. So I want to go right back to the beginning of your story, to when all of this started with addiction. How did it start? Are we looking at the 80s here or? Around about, around about very early 80s, 81, 82. Um, even earlier than that, really. Because, I mean, I, I remember I started using and when I used to steal my mum's diazepam, my mum's um, benzodiazepines, you know, Mogadon and, and, and pills. I used to steal my mum's pills and take them. And that was the first them. time? That was the first time. And um, it made, I liked how it made me feel. I always say this, you know, when, I, when I'm talking to people, you know, drugs worked for me at the beginning because I was a very shy uh, person, had very low self-esteem, um, I lacked confidence. Uh, I, you know, I, I felt I didn't fit in into society, you know, even at, at the early age of 13, because that's how old I was, 13, you know. So um, you're talking about before the 80s, you know, talking about 19, 1980, 1979, 1980. And I, like I said, I used to take my mum's pills, you know, and uh, because my friends told me that they made me feel good, you know. Okay. So, and that, that's how it started, you know stealing my mum's pills and I liked how they worked for me. They gave me confidence. They, they made me the person I wanted to be. You wanted to be. Mm. When you stole your mum's pill, was that something that she never clocked on to? She never noticed? How, how, how did you get away with something like that? Unfortunately, I grew up in a quite a dysfunctional family, you know, and my mum and dad had both issues, you know. Um, and um, the person that brought me up was my, my big sister, who was 18 years old. I mean, she, she was like my mum. She still is like my mum, you know. So my mum, she didn't notice, you know, she had so many pills, she didn't notice, you know. So, uh, I mean, I wasn't taking loads. I took more and more each time, you know, and eventually she did notice, you know. But that's how it started, you know. But it, it really, really quickly it escalated from there to, to smoking joints, you know. Okay, so you go into smoking joints, but that can't be just like that. I mean, you have to know people who sell them. You have to, were you moving in that crowd? As soon as I started taking the um, Valium and Diazepam and things like that, you know, and, 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 and you know, and immediately I started giving it to other friends of mine. And it, it's sort of like I drifted into that, that, that crowd, you know, and, and, and uh, very quickly I loved it. I absolutely adored being in that, in that way of life, you know. It gave me an identity. Right. Yeah. So when we look at El Porrito, mm. we look at El Porrito, a lot of people would consider that as 
that's okay, you can get away with that, blah, blah, blah. But it is very much a stepping stone into the next phase, isn't it? For me, it was, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but for me, it was a stepping stone, you know, like I said, I love drugs, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about it because I did, you know, and for a long time, they worked for me, you know, but, um, but, but they stopped working, you know, and when they stopped working, the consequences came, you know. Did you have to mix alcohol as well? Did it, did it progress? Did it branch out? I wasn't, I wasn't a massive drinker. But um, I very quickly escalated from from um, joints and, and that to to things like amphetamines and LSD was starting to come in. And when the frontier opened, by the, t by the time I was 15, I'd used heroin. You'd used heroin. Yes, how, yes. how did you use? It came st straight across the border. You know, in the 80s, there was a lot of heroin coming in, you know. So it was very accessible. I mean, I knew people that knew people and, and, yeah. and I used heroin. So how did you find the money to keep up this drug habit? How bad was it at that stage? Stealing from my family, stealing from others, shoplifting. I mean, I had a huge juvenile record, you know, for theft and all sorts, you know, because I'd steal, you know, like I didn't have money, you know, at that age, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't work, so I stole, I stole. When, when you say it got, it got, it, the different drugs that you took, it, it, I can see very much by what you're saying that they was, there were stages. Mm. What was the worst drug and how addictive did it become and how, how did you suffer the consequences of that? Mm. Really, I mean, I mean, for me, the, the worst drug, um, I mean, I, the, I can't say the worst drug for me was probably opiates. It was opiates, without a doubt. But that was later on in life, you know. But at, in those early days, I was still sort of experimenting with, with heroin and, and painkillers, a lot of pills. I took a lot of pills, you know. But for me, things like uh, Valium and, and, and Mogadon and Librium and things like that, those were my... my drug my, of choice. Yeah, my drug of choice for many years until I started to move. As I got older, I moved on to opiates, you know. So when did you say, that's enough, rock bottom? What was your rock bottom like? I had many rock bottoms, Justine, I really did, you know. It, even, even as early as my, my, my late 20s and early 30s, you know. I realized, you know, that I was in trouble. I was in serious trouble, you know. I was addicted to heroin. I was a registered heroin addict. I was a, on a methadone program, you know. And I thought, I, I want to get out of this, you know. I, I wanted an, another way of life. I wanted to change, you know. And I just didn't know how. How did it affect your relationships with your family, with mm -hmm. personal relationships? You have a daughter. Yeah. How, how did that evolve? It, it's, an addict is like a tornado. You know, it, it takes everybody apart. Everybody around gets affected, you know. It's a family disease, that's without a, without a doubt, you know. I mean, my, my sister suffered a lot, my dad, my mom, uh, my, my children, my partners, and, and myself, health-wise, you know. Uh, I, my health deteriorated many times, you know. I OD'd, I ended up in hospital with internal bleeding, with stomach ulcers, um, all sorts, all sorts. But of that was still not enough to stop Never. no no i mean i always said this is it i will stop now you know when 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 my daughter was born you know this is it i will stop now i, I won't use again you know and i carried on using you know like i said i ended up in hospital with ods you know with internal bleeding you know i tried to take my own life you know and all, all these sort of things you know and i still carried on using you know but i wanted to stop i just i think i was just so scared of if I stop, what, what, what then? You know, what do I do? You know. Yeah. So you needed a very, very strong support network because of that fear. 
to come out of it, the cold turkey, the, the relapsing, all of that kind of thing. What was there in Jib at that time when you got to your rock bottom and said, that's enough? Remember, I was living in UK at the time, you know, and in UK, I tried to go to my GP. I remember crying my eyes out at my GPs, you know, I need help, please Desperate. help, Desperate. help me, please, you know. And she tried to get me into a, a rehab over there, but the waiting list were like 15 months, you know, to get into a, a government sponsored uh, uh, um, rehab. rehab centre. And then um, in, in, the, in the ones that you had to pay, the cheapest one was £7,000. And wow. I didn't have £7,000. £7,000, I spent it on drugs. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 you know, it just didn't work. And then um, a, a relative of mine, a member of my family, had been to, to Bruce's farm to a rehab here. So I, I came here. I came here. I'm, and I was the first time I came here. I think I was, um, I was about 2000 and 2001, 2002. I came to Gibraltar for the first time. Uh, I went into rehab, went into Bruce's farm because I was a Gibraltarian and it was free. Okay, and how did that work for you? I, it didn't work the first time, you know. I, I ended up back in rehab many times, you know. I mean, I, I'd, I'd, been, I'd been in detox units in the UK and, and for, for 28 days and, I'd, and I'd, I'd been sectioned in psychiatric hospitals in the UK and uh, I'd ended up in the old KG5 here a couple of times as well, on detox here as well. So. Uh, a lot of things, you know, I tried before and uh, when I came out, I relapsed again. And this is what happened the first time and the second time and the third time. It took me several goes before I actually, um, before I actually uh, got Managed clean. Managed to, got, to, got to get clean. clean. Because getting clean uh, is a long road and it's very difficult. Explain a little bit about what it feels like to come off very tough drugs like that. What kind of, what reactions does your body have? Well, for me, it was my, uh, for me, first of all, it was the physical side because I was addicted to opiates, you know. So the physical withdrawals was the first thing I had to get through, you know. And I, I hated, I mean, I, I was petrified of the physical withdrawals. I really, I really struggled with them, you know. But once you get through that is also the, the mental side of it, you know, because it's, there's the physical, the physical addiction and the mental addiction, the mental obsession with the drugs, you know. And, and that was horrendous. That was probably worse than the physical, you know, because it's there all the time in your head, you know. And like we were saying earlier, all you can do is take a day at a time and just battle it out a day at a time. Just get through one day and then the next day and then the next day. And hopefully those days become weeks, months, years. And it does get easier as they go on, but it's not easy. It's not easy. I but if imagine. I did it, anybody can. You think? <laughs> you had it supremely tough but you are a perfect example of how someone can completely take the, the, the worst thing in the world and change their life around mm. from there to here what has your journey been like amazing amazing uh, um, the same recovery can be beyond your wildest dreams well i'd say it's beyond that it really is you know I mean, I remember I came into recovery, I couldn't even drive, you know. I never could afford to take lessons or, or drive a car. I was only never sober enough, or clear, you know, to, 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 to drive a car, you know. So I learned how to drive, you know. I own a new car now, you know, I've got a good job, you know. I, I, I've got relationships with my family, with my daughters, you know, with my children and health-wise, you know. I mean, when I came, last time I was in, in rehab, you know, I weighed 52 kilos. Oh know? my gosh. And you know, I was a skeleton, you know, and I was, uh, apart from being emancipated, I, I was dehydrated. I was really, really weak, you know, and uh, 
And I, it was, I was just a mess, you know, I was just a mess. And all of a sudden now, you know, I mean, I'm still slim, I think. You know? Well, athletic, <laughs> athletic is the body is you need to what you do now. Exactly, yeah. you know, but I, I weigh 80 kilos, you know, and, and you know, and, I, and my life has changed. Like I said, like you just said, I, that's what I do now, you know. I love sports, I love athletics, I'm, I'm a runner. I, I'm a marathon runner, I run marathons, half marathons, ultra marathons. I run trail, I run on the league here in Gibraltar. Um, I love running. I love running to a certain extent has also been a huge part of my life, a huge part of my recovery. There's been this long and, and, and very difficult journey for you. And like I said before, you've turned it around. Um, but you have applied so many lessons that you've learned and the strengths and what you've overcome to helping a lot of people who have been in exactly the same position. How did that happen? I, I, I realized that um, um, I, I need to be reminded of where I came from a lot, you know. I, I still do, you know, even so many years after I've been clean, you know, I still need to be reminded. So when I, when I help somebody else, I'm also helping myself to a certain extent, you know. I know it sounds selfish, but that's the way it works, you know. And um, I sort of like drifted into into helping other people because that's what I was there with these people, you know, and, and, and I'd been given such an amazing gift, you know, and I felt that it was I needed to, to, to try and pass that on, you know, and I, and, and I don't do as much as I used to, you know, but I mean, I, I've, I've been to prisons, I've been to rehab centers. Um, I mean, I give anybody that needs help and they ring me, you know, I give them my phone number, even if it's just, I don't know them, you know, I said, give me them my phone, tell them to ring me, you know, and, and, and hopefully, you know, I can guide them a little bit in the right direction, or point them in the right direction, you know. Um, like I said, I don't do as much as I used to, but I still, I mean, I still go up to, to the centre here when they call me, you know, and, and to the prison when they call me as well. Uh, but I used to do a lot more, you know, I used to go to prisons in Spain and, and, and detox centres in, in, wow. in Spain and, and you know. And, uh, so when somebody calls you and they're reaching out for help because yes. you've been there in that mm. really desperate point, mm. what is it that they're asking for? Is it the knowledge that you can share? Is it the support? Is it somebody just to, to listen? I think it's identification more than anything, you know, because all I do is when I when I, I when I sit with somebody that needs help is I tell them my story, you know, and hopefully they will identify, and usually they do, you know, and by identifying themselves, you know, well they can see that if I did it, well maybe they can. It's it's I suppose it's, it's a way of offering a little bit of a hope, you know, a light at the, at the end of that dark tunnel, you know. Yeah. So, what's your opinion on? Um drugs issues in Gibraltar, where do you see we're at? Is it a problem? Is it a real problem? Is it... Drugs is a problem in Gibraltar. It, it always has been, you know, and I think it's got worse now. Um, we have a huge problem with cocaine here. Uh, that's, been, that's been an issue for a while now. You don't see as much heroin. You're starting to see a little trickle of heroin coming, but not as much as you used to. The 80s was a big thing with heroin, you know. But now what you see mainly is, is cocaine use. There's a lot of cocaine use here in Gibraltar. And of course, pot and weed, you know, that, that's, we've got Morocco next door, you know. It's inevitable. Yeah, very know? easy to do. Very easy, very easy. And also pills as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a cheap way, it's a cheap high. 
you know, you get five Valiums and, you know, and a bottle of Tinto or a bottle of beer and, you know, and you can get away high. you go, yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to tell anybody to do that, so but, <laughs> but, but is, yeah. having said that, yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't attach the importance that they should to alcohol, to yeah. prescription drugs, yeah. and prescription yeah. drugs is a massive issue. Massive issue. And a lot of people have a lot of drugs at home. Even over-the-counter drugs, you know, you can get high of them. You know, I'm not going to say which ones, but you can get over-the-counter drugs that will make you high, you know. Uh, there's drugs, I mean, it's like alcohol. There's drugs everywhere around everywhere. you, you know. I mean, and you, if, if you have a problem, you know, it's, it's not difficult to get high. It we were different. talking about the, the, the nature of addiction, that it's something that we all have inside us and, and we are all addicts to a degree with, with something or other. Um, what was your weakness? Do you think, you said you saw a psychiatric um, hospital, it, did you have a mental health issue that was confirmed or? No, I never had a mental health issue that was confirmed, but um, I had problems um, dealing with emotions, you know, dealing with feelings, you know. I didn't know how to express my feelings. I think it's something that I, I never, I never matured, you know. And when I came into recovery, I had to learn that. I had to learn how to, how to deal with emotions, you know. I mean, I still struggle with some emotions, you know. I still struggle with being assertive, you know, with, with anger issues. You know, I, I still struggle how to, you know, express anger in, a, in the right way, you know, yeah. and things like that. So um, emotions and feelings, I had problems from when I was a child. Um, expressing myself and, 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 you know, and dealing with feelings. Lewis, with regards to, let's say, the damage that you've inflicted on your body over the years, have there been any lasting effects with your health or...? Well, thank God, no. Thank God for now, no, but I don't know in the future if, if there will be, you know. But for now, no. For now, um, I mean, and I, I have checkups. I go to a private uh, clinic in Spain and I have checkups because I run marathons and things like that. I want to make sure that my lungs and my heart are strong, you know, and they are, they are, you know. So luckily, um, so far, um, no, physically, you know, but mentally, I think it's going to be there forever. Forever. Yeah, I think I'll have issues for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that was my next question, because once an addict, always an addict. Yeah. Does that apply? Yes, yes, absolutely. So how do you deal with every day? What is, what is a day in the life for you, Lewis? In my... It's my nature to be obsessive and I'm compulsive. It's my nature. I'm an addict, like you said, you know, and I'm obsessive, you know. So, I mean, if I don't go for a run one day, I decide no, I'm not going to run today. I'm sitting at home do, doing my head in, you know, I should run. I should go yeah. for a run, you know, and I, I really struggle to not go for a run because my head's telling me I should run because that's my, my, that's my obsession now, yeah. running, you know. And even it can be raining or hot at three o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of summer, and my, my head's telling me, you need to run. Yeah. You need to run because that's my obsession today. So what you've kind of done is removed one and, 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 and replaced it with another to a degree because the body's natural drug is endorphins, isn't it? Mm. And that is well known within the sporting community that you naturally release by taking part in sports, mm. by feeling fit and healthy. You get addicted to that too don't you yeah well this is what running does apart from the chemical side of it it running also raises raises my my self-esteem you know raises my confidence you know and it, it it makes me feel good about myself you know yeah i'm doing something good you know and, and, and 
it's 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 a win-win situation like in, in the chemical side of it you know and also the the mental side of it yeah well. so you've come a long way and your running is your release now but people might think that you just run along Devil's Tower Road at five o'clock in the morning. That's not the case. You've got a good few medals hanging in your room. <laughs> a few trophies and a few medals, yes. Um, I, I, I run along Devil's Tower Road all the time, <laughs> all the time, you know. But uh, I mean, I love running marathons, you know. I love running marathons and half marathons, but I love marathons. I, lo I love the buzz and I love the, the challenge of running 42 kilometers as fast as I can, you know, as fast as I possibly can, you know. Uh, um, and I, I love the, like you said, you know, the, the adrenaline, you know, of being in a race, you know. I mean, uh, on, on Sunday, on Sunday I'm, 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 I'm flying out at five o'clock in, in the afternoon and at 10 o'clock in the morning I have a race, you know. That's uh, what, this weekend? This weekend, you, you just know? did one last weekend. I know, but I'll, I have a race <laughs> and I, I've got, I love racing and I love running, you know. Right. And I, I, I'm all constantly trying to better myself, trying to be a better runner, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I watch, you know, what I eat, not all the time, but, but I try and to watch what I eat, you know. I, I, I train, you know, not only running, I, I cycle as well. Um, I do weights training as well. So because I, 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 and it's not just about running, it's about breathing, it's about diet, it's about hydration, it's about core strength. There's a lot involved and I like all that. I, and I like being in that environment as well with people. A who healthy are really environment. Healthy healthy people, something yeah. I've never done, yeah. you know, um, my, like we were saying earlier, you know, my, my, my friends are completely different friends that I had before, you know, yeah. the people I hang out with are people like triathletes, runners, you know, uh, cyclists, these are the people I mix with, you and know. And that rubs off on you. Yeah, of course it does, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say has been your biggest achievement to date? Come on. My, my biggest achievement <laughs> has to be staying clean, you know, not, really? not using drugs now, you know. That yeah. for me is the biggest achievement, you know, not having to use drugs, not getting up every morning and not having to use drugs. That, that's without a doubt, is my biggest achievement. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have anything else. I, I, there wouldn't be any running, there wouldn't be any cycling, there wouldn't be anything, you know. So you're in a really good place in life now. I'm so, so happy for you because that must have been an absolute nightmare to get out of. That was not easy at all. And to see that strength of character and that willpower to do something so difficult says a lot about who you are, Lewis. So I wish you the very, very best moving forward. You've been amazing to talk to. And I want to ask you one last question. If you had the chance, and I'm sure you have on many, many occasions, that you could change somebody's life with just a few words to make an impact. What would it be? Um, I think I think it'd have to be ask for help. Ask for help because I couldn't do it on my own. I needed help. So I think those words would be in, ask for help. You need help. You can't do it alone. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.